0: Hello spreaders and welcome to The Spread, I'm your host Kaz and we are on episode 75 and this is the fifth episode from the Spreadfest series. This podcast episode was actually quite hard for me to re-listen to because It's brought about past trauma that I've experienced with cancel culture and ultimately cyberbullying for most of my career. So warning, there is no sexual content in this episode, just some well-needed debates about the social space where a lot of our sexual content lives. In this episode, we discuss the desire to critique and attack a personal community on social media platforms and how it has grown in prominence today. Are there any repercussions for this one-sided culture? Can we verify the facts? How do we hold people accountable? Jerry, Samira, and Silas sit and discuss all the different aspects of cancel culture so eloquently. And I do believe that this should be a continuous conversation. As this is a recording from a live panel discussion, there are a few instances where connectivity was an issue and I have tried to resolve it as much as possible. And the little disturbances that are still there, I apologize for. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, There's a direct link in the description box below. I'm really trying to grow the visual content on this side of things. Now let's get into it. lay down my body and just expose myself oh baby
1: down I belong to a fairly marginalized community I'm a queer person uh, and for a long time I lived in a different country I lived in South Africa for about six years so that as a as a black person from a different part of Africa living in South Africa you're exposed to xenophobia so you know, the isms and isms and isms if we're to play the Oppression Olympics, where we all lose. But if it wasn't for the online space I have been able to curate, um, more for as a function of sort of educating myself, um, I don't think I would have had the strength or courage to kind of exist the way I exist at the moment. So, off of that um, frame of reference, I guess one of the pros of um, I wouldn't even call it like, I think what, you know, there are very many kind of definitions of what cancer culture is. I think what we're referring to at the moment are more shaming or the use of humiliation or, um, the withdrawing of support from someone. Um, I've just been in a place where I don't see why you need my support or support from my community. If you don't do the work to see my humanity. So, It's just been affirming for me to be like, oh, I don't need to associate myself with that corner. Not because the world has canceled them, but because, but as a function of the cancellation, I'm able to actually see what kind of person this individual is. It's not necessarily, for me, it's not not necessarily about the initial onslaught of anger, It's more of what is the response post people saying, hey, we feel some type of way about that. Um, If you're able to come out and be like, I recognize that or I don't recognize that or I'm holding my ground, it it gives me more information to work off of.
2: I think cancel culture has, of course, pros and cons as anything tends to have. But for me, I think the reason why I don't, I'm not as worried as other people about cancel culture is because I know that it came the pro for it was that for a long time, people who were considered voiceless, people who were considered um, not important enough to be part of the mainstream media, ended up having social media and finally having a voice and being able to say, I don't have to watch this. I don't have to listen to this. And because of this, this factor and this other factor, and you know what, I'm cancelled because cancelling is a very individual thing but if enough mm. individuals if enough individuals cancel the same person then it ends up having a like a systemic thing a con for me is the fact that cancelling can't it's not it can't be the end it's pa- it's like somewhere in the beginning or in the middle when you cancel somebody have you addressed what they did have you shown how they can grow from that how have you shown how because just the individual who has been cancelled, the other many people who share ideologies with that individual. And when you're cancelling that person, you get the chance to teach the people who might not have spoken up and say, this is why it's wrong, and this is what why people do not want to engage with this person again. So I think the problem for me with cancelling is that people use it as the end all and be all of it all. And it should just be a stepping stone, a beginning for accountability
3: um one of the pros for cancel culture is you know it just fills that gap for, la- for lacking systems you know the justice system is so slow systems of accountability are so slow and just giving people that public opinion and that chance to do what would have been done to the people like the the people on twitter to be able to say you know we don't this, this person does not deserve this position that they've been given and having, you know, things move faster. Um, how do we make it work for us? Beyond, like, I like that both of you have said that this is not the end all, you know, beyond the outrage, beyond, you know, the the Twitter noise. How can we have this online outrage um, translate to something more tangible, something that is beyond just celebrities, beyond just, you know, public figures, influencers.
1: These questions are a bit, they appear to be a bit big to me at the moment, just because I understand that there are so many variables that come into play when you're thinking about quote unquote canceling. So, you know, how to make it functional in a way that can can be employed in a beneficial way I think it's tricky because it falls down to like a case by case basis. Um for instance, uh I'll give you an example of something that I attempted to do uh, for quite a while. I I am mm-hmm. uh, a filmmaker and you know our self-imposed Goliath is uh, Ezekiel Mutua. Um who just has his own skeletons in closets. But being angry and letting people know right at the beginning that this guy is a fraud didn't seem to work. I wasn't able to galvanize people beyond the initial. Every time an article comes out, 20 tweets or 200 tweets, everyone goes, oh, it's trash, oh, he's not a, yeah, yeah. And then two days later, we've moved, up, we've moved on to the next topic, which is a function of social media as it is at the moment. We, we, we move on quickly. And what happens is we start getting desensitized. So I thought that maybe I could employ that same tactic of normalizing. You know, we're used to normalizing madness, then let's play along. So I created a whole campaign around his um, PhDs, which are all fake, both of them are fake. And the point of the campaign wasn't to let people know that they're fake, because everyone who bothers to use Google can find this information out. The point is I wanted his name to be synonymous with a fake PhD. So every time you think about him, you think less about his onslaught against the queer community, which is definitely internalized, quote me. Um, But you think more about the fact that, oh, he's not qualified. So every time you hear the name, you think, ah, that guy with a fake PhD. And part of why that was kind of successful to a certain degree, because he removed uh, PhD from his social media uh, profiles. The only thing he left was the doctor, which I'ma come for next year. Um, was consistency. I just kept going every day. There was a crazy and and so I, I was able to tap into a few things. The humor that black people apparently employ to to um, mm-hmm. to navigate trauma, which is a whole other conversation. Um, I was able to employ, uh, you know, the Twitter space, which, you know, there are various sides to it, but the jokes were sufficient enough to appeal to a lot of um, of the different sides of Twitter, quote-unquote. And we were able to make something move, but I don't know if I, if I employ the same tactic on someone else that that would work. For instance, a sexual predator, uh, or like Babu at the moment with the whole gun-touting situation where he is outrightly an attempted murder caught me again. But, you know, the rage comes in bursts. But what I'm noticing is there's some consistency and some prolonging that might help um, move the needle a lot more. So Mm -hmm. this is like a a learning experience for a lot of us um, in regards to how to navigate people we want to essentially quote unquote cancel. Samira, what
2: do you think? I agree with you, especially when you gave the example of Ezekiel and sexual threat. I think with the whole cancel culture is that it's very, con- you have to contextualize it. So like let's um, so let's say a 15, with now that social, there are a whole um, generation that grew up on social media. That means we can find a 15 year old who has said some sideways stuff through them in their past and now they're like 25 and they're like, Oh, what I said was not right. That's and especially maybe if they ended up getting more fame and we're like, we went back through your social media and we, you said this, you're canceled. For me, in that one, in that situation, I don't see any benefits or any growth, and especially any conversation whatsoever, that any any accountability that has happened. We're just now in this situation, you're punishing someone. You've seen them succeed, and you're like, they don't deserve that success right now because of what they said before. But, but in that situation, what I would like us to ask is why is it for a lot of people going through their teens and going through their young lives, racism and sexism and homophobia is, their, is part of their growth? So if we had such conversation, be like, okay, you know what? Kids are stupid and that's fine. But why, is, kids, why, yeah, but why is your kid's stupidity racist? And sexist and homophobic. And so that should be the conversation we have. In other situations, um, it's also the person itself tells us whether they should, they can grow from the counseling. So somebody like Babu and Ezekiel Mutua, those ones for me, if we just decided never again, we just cast them out of our society, I don't think we would struggle because they themselves have not shown any growth points. They themselves have not shown any remorse or any empathy. And if right now I told you that Babu, you know how none of us can be sure that he wouldn't shoot somebody later on. He's not being held accountable for the very thing he's done right now, but we want us to move on and say that cancel culture on both sides. I don't, there are really no sides to this this situation. So for me, How we grow is contextualizing the situation and bringing a bit more nuance to it. Because I don't think there's a one size fits all solution to cancel culture. We have to look at it in uh, the different categories
1: or groups. Completely. And I think we raised a very interesting point. It kind of stood out to me. I think what what we want is accountability, like you said. I think we just want people to be accountable. not only to yourselves, but like as Samir had mentioned, if you're raising a child, it is important that you don't raise an asshole. It's just, it boils down, don't raise an asshole, because we're the ones who end up having to deal with them. And if you are grown at this point, exposed to as much information as we're exposed to, I see no excuse to do that work. But yes, there are degrees to like, I guess the levels of cancellation, which it It feels weird that we're trying to create lexicon and kind sort of vocabulary around it because it's fairly new, so we're also like you know we're wading the waters together. We're realizing that this is a tool that can be employed. We've seen extremes of it not being either working or not working, so it's kind of us finding a way to navigate it. and I feel like there should be degrees to how we interact with people we want to hold accountable for their actions and their words. And then it, de- it depends on the amount of power that they have. See, if a kid yeah. downstairs is homophobic to me, I'm like, you're a kid, I can sit down, I can talk to you, we can. But if you're in a position where you can stop films, you're in a position where you, if it, it, it affects policy in a meaningful way, I need you to be more accountable, especially if these are positions that are electable. electable. Like, there, there should be those degrees, depending on how much power someone has.
2: Yeah. I think also for me is another thing that always jumps out is who are the people who when you complain about cancel culture who are the people who were very it's very easy and very quick to cancel them and who are the ones that are like it's they can grow from it so if you remember during the Trump era I don't remember her name but there was a black woman who sang for him and people were like "Black woman, yeah you're a black woman how can you do that and she was canceled and we've not seen or heard from her since then. But somebody like uh, Kanye West uh, and a lot of white celebrities, they they, they can grow from it. We'll constantly be told both sides, both sides. So now the question, so that again comes in, like even though cancel culture has given marginalized people a voice, it's also like come back and turned on them. So even there again, that should be our conversation. Who is it easier for us to cancel?
3: Of course, you know, celebrities are the easiest target because they have platforms, they get to wider audiences. Um however like um that conversation about who who gets it rougher than others, whether everyone should receive the same amount of room for redeemability. Like you've just given the example for Kanye West versus the black woman at Trump
1: at yeah. CAFE
3: has gotten chance and chance again. Yeah. You know,
1: so. There cannot be a, um, a catch-all for everyone. Yeah. We do have to do in the, we have to put in the work to actually decide what we want society to look like, what we want those rules to look like and who we want, um, or who we expect uh, to abide by these sort of societal rules that we've created that keep on evolving. Um, But no, there there should be different degrees. Um, Some people, I'll I'll be bold and say it, some people don't deserve a second chance. I mean, I know we're very, everyone deserves a second chance and whatnot. But the deservability of second chances comes down to, is this person accountable? Are they remorseful? Are they aware of the damage and harm that they've caused? Are they aware why they brought themselves to this place where they caused this harm? There needs to be work that is done. And without that work, I don't see how I can welcome you back into my space. And the way I look at council, the spirit of council culture is it's very individual to me. I'm not going to tell you who to be um, a fan of and who to support, but I will stand firm in who I support. And my Ooh. engagement around that will be guided by you know my own... Because if someone asks me, why do you support A, B, C, D, I should be able to say, these are the reasons. One, two, three. I really
3: like what you've said about it being a very like personal decision about who you decide to cancel. Being able to speak out and say, the reason I canceled this person is because they were called out one time. I did not They said it, you know, they've been vocal and they have not changed. However, you can also see that cancel culture has a bit of a mob mentality, and I'll Mm. speak on it being, especially with like Twitter, sometimes you see a story come out, and it's interesting because Samira and I are friends from Twitter, and there's been many times where a conversation is happening on the timeline, and people will be like, oh, you know, we can see the silence, we can see you not joining us in the counseling, so... There's almost like a fear that you'll get cancelled because you're not cancelling certain people. And you know, you have to find yourself like um, talking in the DM because you don't want to talk on the timeline because you're you're, you're you're viewing this whole thing in a different light and we don't all have to look at it from one angle. So this is this personal kind of is this is actually pretty much one of the things I really want people to take take away from this. It's great that social media is able to have us know certain things that we wouldn't have known about otherwise, but take the time to reflect and really see why it is you're doing, why you're doing something. Why are you canceling, Dodger a but you entertain antisemitism comments? challenge the ideas then you can see that certain things trickle down to to more than one person and it's not just a person you're counselling, which is also another question Some like, do we think that the word counsel is actually part of the problem?
2: Um, before we go to that question, I just wanted on what you earlier said, I think I can see what you're trying to say. I partly agree with it. And partly disagree with it in the sense that cancelling, of course, yes, is individual. It's a very indi- there's There are people I have personally cancelled and I know why I've cancelled them. I don't really need the people around me to cancel them with me. I just don't need to be told about them. Um, and then, of course, when many people are cancelling the same kind of person, then it ends up becoming, and then of course social media has emboldened a lot of us into extreme groupthink and mob mentality, something we all struggle with and none of us should remove ourselves from that problem. But the example that you gave about how you will see somebody being dragged on the timeline and then people stay silent and stuff like that. I do think that in this case, another thing about accountability comes on, especially like if you're a if you're a guy who's constantly tweeting about male feminism, and your and your boy, who, and your boy who has been accused of abuse, and you've not said anything, but you're chatting with him in because you don't want, I think right there that can be a problem about cowardice and bravery. I do think people, I do, I, what I think is that generally as a whole, as a people, as humans, we just lack integrity and lack spines and we're very unable to know how to swing between this is my stance and I've changed my stance. Like, you know, we don't know when is it okay to say this is a hill I'm willing to die on and then another time saying, you know what, I should never been on, on this hill before. And I think that As we grow, as what um, Sila said earlier, that this is new. It's a new frontier, a whole new kind of thing, and it's the growth is exponential, and the effects on interpersonal relationships are so widespreading. So I think we we still have a lot to learn and a lot to see. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. I I I I just want to back that up a little, and you know, there there's some people who to be quite honest, have sort of accrued that grace. Um, So if Rihanna right now comes out and says something slightly problematic, I'm going to take a a breath before I, I, you know what I mean? I'm going to take a moment to be
0: like,
1: let's look at all the sides because they've accrued that, um, the grace, because again, it's a thing of, there's this expectation that everyone should have the same understanding of Uh, ethics, morals, that we are all to some degree perfect. And that's just not the reality of it. The reality is a lot of us are going to fuck up uh, numerous times. But what happens post the fuck up? But then there's a difference between accruing grace and benefiting from the security of privilege. Because as a man, I've definitely benefited from male privilege in, in the sense that there's some things I can get away with and there's some stands I can have as someone who's, who has some kind of economic privilege at the moment. I was able to come out, I was able to kind of hold my, I'm able to call people out, I'm able to take on government officials. That's not um, a a privilege that a lot of people will have or have accrued. So there's, again, bigger conversations happening, but I love what Samira mentioned about not not having that gauge to, to understand what growth looks like for some people, you know, to say, this was what I believed in before. I have read a book. This is what it looks like now to me. And for us to to grow with you, to be like, okay, you were a dumbass back then. Now, again, reading has been encouraged and employed. So, but again, a lot of us are afraid to be embarrassed because there's this belief that there's so much to lose. And I think until you're on the other side of, again, not gi- giving people that much power over, I, I will never understand someone being like, oh, you have to make a statement about ABCD, and if you don't make a statement about it now, then you're, you're a fraud. I'm like, as who? Who are you to come and tell me that I need to make a statement right now so that you feel comfortable about the decision you have to make? Uh-uh, back up. You do you. You cancel if you feel like you need to cancel, and then let me go through my journey of figuring out whether I want to cancel that person or not. There's this expectation that we should all cancel together. A family that cancels together stays together. Not in this <laughs>
3: house. Someone is asking, also in a world that is so complex, where even members of the social groups that receive great discrimination can also just be just as problematic, who, who should do the counseling?
1: I mean, listen. But um, we need to make room for overcorrections. We just need to make room for overcorrections because for a long time it's like when someone doesn't have a voice and then suddenly you give them a voice and you expect them to fit the dark to do, to handle their shit. But that's really disingenuous. You really need to give them room to fuck up and figure out how to how to hold that space for themselves. So, this idea that, oh, you now should know exactly who to cancel, when to cancel them, why to calm down.
2: I think for me, especially that question, it tell um, it te- it shows me something uh, the conversation around cancel culture that really bothers me so often. Because it's far often people who are like privileged and like, especially if you remember the Hapa Bazaar's letter, these are like well renowned writers, well renowned professionals. A bunch of white yeah complaining about cancel culture and you were just like as who and they were constantly asking about both sides and and that's something that especially with um, respectable especially with the whole conversation about respectability it's often people from marginalized communities who are constantly expected to be graceful constantly Mm -hmm. expected to be forgiving constantly and me and personally, I don't have that level of growth. I'm not a very forgiving person. I hold grudges, and it's just Samia, like I don't.
1: It's not growth. Especially... Trust me, you 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 passed it. It's called mm. that, that martyrdom. For what? No, no, that's not your burden. in life.
2: I'm not self-sacrificial at all. And especially mm. what? And I've never been more annoyed, especially during the Barack Obama era when he. What is it? Was no, it was Michelle Obama when we go. When we go low, when they go low, no go
1: we go low and it's just that we are right down <laughs> yeah. into the ground.
2: So oftentimes when the the discussion around cancel culture happens and the people who are constantly being asked to be graceful are people from discriminatory places. So that's the thing for so when you say that when so the question asks, what if people who are often Systemically marginalized are problematic, and it's just like, I mean, it reaches really a point where it's just like, you know what, they've earned it. It's okay.
1: This is it. So, like, if if if, for instance, as a function of the fact that I, I exist in a space where I have male privilege, whether I want to employ it or not, it is here. It's not a negotiation. I exist in a world where my maleness, quote unquote, affords me privilege. If I'm in a situation where I am, I am, for instance, falsely, in my head, falsely accused of sexual assault or something like that, I need to bite that bullet and go through that entire goddamn trade because there's an overcorrection that's happening here. And I know that is controversial to say, but for decades, generations, women have been on the back foot. We've given, you know, they've gotten themselves to a point where they can finally speak out. And we're now wanting to police what they say to suit the existences of the power structures that are here, which are entirely patriarchal. I have questions.
2: It's very difficult for me to take, because especially when it's kind of like the whole, I mean, we should not go too deeply in it. It's the whole, like, if somebody slaps you and then you take out a gun and shoot them. I like they're two it's just like they're not on the same level of violence here, so like oftentimes when people complain about um especially the whole the Americans weird um relationship with liberalism and both sides, they're mm-hmm. always like oh you know they the they're, they're two sides of the conversation, and you know now liberals are even more intolerant than the right wing and it's just like really, are they? i mean it's uncomfortable (laughs) yeah it's uncomfortable and you of course liberals are condescending sometimes and irritating but for the most part in terms of power conservatives still have a lot of the power so it doesn't it doesn't match up there's a false equivalent when it comes to it
0: this week's podcast of the week is basically life podcast another beautifully produced podcast out of south africa giving a basic look at the way queer folks are living loving and fucking hosted by tiffany mugo and coming straight out of south africa I already said that if you're interested in finding more african and like-minded people within the queer community this is definitely one of the places i would direct you to there's a direct link in the description box below please stay tuned to that podcast, just the way you are this one. And you know, we're here to serve you with all of that podcast goodness every week. So do stay tuned. Now, back to our podcast. You don't know me. Whether
3: counseling people, the use of the word counseling people is a bit extreme. The use of the word counseling people is also what's making people not come have a meeting of the minds of what exactly
1: our is. Jerry, mm-mm. I'm not, I'm seeing why, here's my question. Why is a conversation around the language more important than the actual content of whatever this experience is? We're focusing our energies on deciding whether we're offended by the word cancel, instead of actually understanding why we've decided to, you know, we're not happy with a particular person. And it's the, again, the usual tools that are employed by people in power to confuse the conversation, to be like, oh, let's focus on the lexicon or the descriptors. Who cares? No one really cares about the, it's the use of the word cancel has never ended anyone's career. The action of canceling has never Mm -hmm. made show me. It really is.
2: Yeah.
1: It's people that I, are uncomfortable. I, and that uncomfortable that discomfort, they have to sit in that discomfort because that is a discomfort that marginalized people live with. I think so now me, that yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I think for me the I have never had really an issue with cancel culture the name. I actually quite like yeah. it. But then generally what I think would have been a bit of a bother is that we're labeling certain problems that aren't really cancel culture. So, like, a lot of what people are complaining about is like the mob justice on yeah. um, mob yeah. justice that is enabled by social media. People, there's some people who actually don't care about um, any social issues, but then when they see somebody their hate, hate being dragged, they just join in. So now the que- the conversation should be about how we're using social media and what is it allowing, and how can mm. we improve the situation and because of mm-hmm. and instead of dealing with that we talk about cancel culture and is it enough and you just say like, cancel culture actually is not even that big of a problem it's w- the tool that we're using to cancel people that are the problem or the way we're yeah, going yeah. about it that is the problem yeah
1: i just I, I, it's just it, it shouldn't like the conversation like if we have conversations about racism so people were like, maybe the use of the word racism is the problem. I'm like,
3: no, the racism is the problem. <laughs> the system is the, the actual words. harm done. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, some people want us to bring this closer home to certain examples of where we feel... I like what you said about the discomfort, like with Babu Uwino, and, you know, the legal system, we all know, the murderer is not going anywhere, but he... People online have constantly, you know, every time he speaks, people will remind him what he's done, will share the video again. He even had to go to court for a gag order, but, you know, you can't gag Twitter. So some of these examples, you know, you can't gag Twitter, you know. Okay, fine, NTV won't run run a, a story, but, you know, will constantly remind you that you tried to take somebody's life. And even the example of, I think it happened yesterday, the woman who had been appointed um, to to the tourism board and then someone got a post that she had shared, I think last year about Nairobi National Park and that has been revoked. So there have been instances where, you know, it may not be the most sustainable uh, method of bringing the, the biggest change, but you can see situations where it's actually giving the DCI, you know, pressure to have that date come closer, have Babu have to go and say, you know, he wants people to stop talking about this. So, and even your Ezekiel Mutua uh, takedown, you know. I
2: yeah. think a lot of what is a problem, and specifically on Kenyan Twitter, is that, like, you know, like, oh, before Twitter used to be fun and it's not fun anymore. I think... A lot of what is happening, right? Especially now, the conversation around, oh, I'm a, it's been cancelled or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just generally entitlement. It's really if, if, and we've seen this, especially when people complain about being blocked. And it's just like, this person blocked me and I never even talked to them. It doesn't matter, they don't want you in your space. And then, so I think a lot of the, specifically in Kenyan Twitter, a lot of the issues with cancel cultures and entitlement, you like, you keep mm-hmm. thinking that you have to, you have to be listened to and stuff like that. And, um, I don't mean this in a, like a bad way, like, so like me and Silas, we don't know each other in real life, but he's blocked me on Twitter and I don't care. Because that's his space and he doesn't, I don't need to be in that space. But you see people constantly whining about being canceled and being stressed out and be just like this person had, imagining social media as a home. They don't want you in your home and that's okay. And I think for me, a lot of the um, issue that Kenyan Twitter has with cancel culture is rooted in entitlement, not actual issues
1: with it. This you Twitter is my favorite Twitter. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's asking you a question. You're being put in this position where you're able to, again, have power and effect some kind of change. Are you still believing this particular thing that you posted? So social media now functions as an archival space. It's archived of, you know, past opinions that you've held or past, uh, uh, it's, it's easy to conflate people asking you to be accountable for stuff that you have said and positions that you've taken with being canceled We're just asking, before we do this thing that will put you in a position to affect A, B, C, D, do you still believe this thing that you said that came out of your mouth, that came through your Twitter fingers? It's Unprovoked. just a question people are asking. Yeah. Unprovoked. Also, Loki, Samira was blocked because of Beyonce's Lander, but she's back. I Um, We agree on everything apart from (laughs)
2: Beyoncé. People don't realize how forgiving and forgetful a lot of human beings are. So like, if you do something... Even on
1: social media, the news cycle shifts every couple of days. So like,
2: a lot of people just want you to address it. Like, let's say, like, let's say I want to, I end up making a TV show about what it means to be an African feminist. And then people pull out tweets from, which don't exist, but tweets like, let's say I was a pick me and stuff like that. And they'll be like, hey, madam, what about this? What was this that you tweeted? What I can do is be like, you know, when I was at that age, at that time, this is why I tweeted it. And this is why Mm. I said what I said. And then I read books. I joined book clubs and I grew from it. And that's why even now I'm writing a show about African feminism because I've grown from it. And I'm quite certain most people will be like, oh, yeah,
1: yeah okay. that makes
2: sense. But a lot of people just want to be to be embraced without any accountability. Every, yeah, everyone, exactly. wants under, everyone wants understanding without them even addressing the situation in the first place. Like you want to be understood. You want to be forgiven. You want to be praised, but you don't want... You don't want to do any of the work. You don't want Yeah, to you want all things. those
1: things that you're not willing to yeah. give the, the other people. Exactly. That work that yeah. way. Mm.
3: So with, yeah. with what you've said about, you know, many people offering grace and, you know, more often than not, it's not, let's call you out, let's strip you of your scholarship, let's strip you of your appointment. There's that like, um, that grace period for you to come out and talk about it. Do you think with the, the speed at which things happen on Twitter, um, many people hold space for people to actually come back and say, you know, when you're asked this, this you, or you know, um, your previous thoughts, whether there's, there's room for that kind of uh, discourse
2: to
1: actually happen online. I mean, it it really it really depends on the kind of, again, Very contextual. It's, part, of the, part of the reason we're kind of figuring out how to talk about yeah. this is because we we don't all know everything that's the kind of shifts that are happening around us. But what I've noticed is, mm-hmm. the faster someone addresses something, the faster it blows it's over. Up. Yeah. So like, if you're able, like, I give an arbitrary example on, on Drag Race Canada, which I've been following aggressively, thanks to, again, aggressive homosexuality. Um, <clears throat> one of the, the panelists made a comment, and five minutes after the episode ended, he was on Twitter being like, okay, so this is what I mean, A, B, C, D. And yes, there was a bit of blowback here and there, but it didn't progress and snowball into like what we know a fandom like Drag Race yeah. will do, which will drag you. They will drag you for weeks. They're able to squash it. So what, what I'm I noticing me- is that the sooner you yeah. respond, the, the, more, the less likely you are to be yeah. dragged.
2: I think for me, the best one of... Uh- very good examples of somebody like being able to ride the wave of canceling is uh, Maya Jama I think it was like 2 years ago when she'd especially grown and people pulled out pulled up tweets from when she was 16 and 17 um, mm. mocking black women dark skinned black mm. women and stuff like, that, stuff like that and she went on the receipt podcast and she was mm. like yeah I was a shit and that was wrong and since then I've grown from it and she also said that I'm also accepting that from this point onward, that I've lost people, I've lost fans, and I will remain cancelled to them. And every time I do something, they will bring me bring it up. I can grow from it, but there's some people who can't grow from the hurt that I cause. Yeah,
1: and I she can't said expect that people to I accept grow from that. Yeah, yeah.
2: So she said I accept that burden. She said I'm not going to expect to be uncancelled. I would she said she would love people to see that she's grown, but if you want to keep me cancelled, that's your power. And so I think, and from that point on, and yeah, that point that it happened, a lot of people were angry, but a few months later, most people were just like, it's okay, okay. Yeah. you know. And she gave people that if, space,
1: yeah. I think if it's not like something that's completely irredeemable, yes, we've we've seen that. Well, at least with white people, we give them grace when they're teenagers to be,
2: uh, to be to there.
1: and then yeah, when they grow up and they say, "I was a kid," we're like, "Okay, have you learned your lessons and stuff on the wrist?" So they're, you know,
2: also, they're they kids for very long time till that. This is season. what I'm saying
1: because we are 22. I was <laughs> paying rent. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but. Mm. but there, there are there are ways to coming back, but I think what Samira said was quite interesting and quite powerful. You you won't you have to give the people who don't agree with you the room to continue not agreeing with you. Like it's not your it's you can't get them to like you again by force. You they have to go through their journey of healing, depending on how much hurt you have caused them, for them to kind of circle back to being able to quote unquote forgive you or interact with you. But there is an an expectation that I want to place on people who have quote unquote been canceled or have been found yeah. out to have held some problematic opinions in the past. And that you have to do extra work to come back. You have to do extra work to figure out why you held that position it. to begin with, how you unlearned it, how the people around you, have been conditioned to understand that based on what you say, how your influence has affected um, other people's interaction with that particular subject. You have to do the work. An iOS press release apology just isn't enough. So
3: I like that you've already started talking about, you know, the person on the receiving end of the cancellation or the call out. And, you know, um, do we have anything more to add? Has anyone have any of you ever been cancelled? I
1: think so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Not enough to be actually I've been I've been on the receiving end of dragging in the situation. Yeah. I'm and it's I'm, I don't I don't think I've gotten it to the extent the one that we need, the extent that it affects people's mental health. But I do think that what makes it easier for me is that usually when it's something I've been dragged for, I usually ask myself, is it something that I can stand on? Is it like something that I'm willing to be dragged on? And is it something terrible or, you know, like if it's, I I weigh the cons of it. And then usually when I struggle with it, I, it's usually like the whole, am I, I struggle, you know, you struggle with being, I think. As a whole, we struggle with not being liked. So, especially with women, we don't we we work very hard to be liked by people. And when we find ourselves mm. receiving dislike, we 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 close off or we shut down or we get anxious and stuff like that. So, for me, I think maybe I've worked on the fact that I'm okay with being unlikable. I but I do hold myself in some situations accountable in the sense that what exactly am I not being liked for? Is it, Am I not being liked for because I made fun of uh, Beyonce or am I not being liked because I made I make homophobic jokes? You know, the, these two are not the same things. And so, yeah. yeah. But I do think that I, I worry, sometimes I do worry about people who have been cancelled, especially when it comes to mental health. It depends on the degree in the sense that, so like if a man uses his position to to harm women, and he loses that position. That's a consequence of his action. I can't feel bad about it. But, and then if because of being jobless and being shamed, he ends up falling into depression, that's like, it's uh, the law of unintended consequences. There's some things that you just can't, um, you can't avoid, you can't stop yourself from, stop from happening. Uh, due to cancelling. So I don't know. I, I've never really thought, I've never really been able to find an answer to how we can cancel without causing too much harm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and you know, I have a very complex relationship with shame. And I think cancel culture is built entirely on the premise of we're going to humiliate and shame you until you recede and go think about what you've done. And you know, that was a tactic that was employed with um that's employed in like violent situations where people want to shame you or humiliate you or you know fuck with your sense of self. But then that brings a, a bigger conversation about, you know, where does your value lie? Because if your value system is entrenched on being liked by many people, which is, you know. the the function of people who want to be in the public eye. We, We like being liked. But if you attach a value system to that, then when the tide inevitably turns and it will turn, it has turned on everyone. If there's something we can stand on, it is the fact that at some point in your life, you are going to get
3: canceled. Yes, you will. You are going to
1: get canceled. Yeah. Not everyone is going to agree with what you're trying to say and not everyone is going to see your point. But Samaria said, that you can you take the power away from people's attachment to your value. Like my value system cannot be, in, in as much as I'm a, I'm a filmmaker and my work um, uh, requires bums on seats to come watch it, I cut the cord the moment I release a film. Like my attachment to that project, I'm watching it as a viewer. It's no longer my responsibility to um, influence the reception of that work. And that had to be like a function of self-preservation for me. Because if I was to read every tweet and every comment about every project I've ever worked on, I will die. So it's 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 that balance of you have to be, there, there needs to be some kind of responsibility um, mm-hmm. in regards to your own mental health as someone who is going through a form of cancellation to, to do two things simultaneously. Engage if, it's, if, it's, if you're being given an education. For instance, if, if, if there have been moments where if I've said something that has come off a bit sexist or misogynistic, I take a seat and I listen and I, you know, I'm told the things that I shouldn't be saying, the things that I, I educate myself. That's a moment where you actually have to take a step back and and do the education and do the work, but then at the same time, not attach yourself to again that the the social circuit, and the social circuit we're gonna all engaging in mm-hmm. at the moment. It's tricky. I I I just don't see a way mm-hmm. out. When I was cancelled, I it wasn't a, it, I think Samira saying it's it was more of a drag. I had posted something about my film Supermoto had come out, and I was like, "Oh, everyone needs to go watch it." You watched Black Panther, woo! Did Twitter not? Your blackmailing has to go. Watch your film. Kenyan films are trash. And I remember writing a 49 tweet thread in the middle <laughs> of my graduation as. As names are being called, I'm just like, no, <laughs> what I mean is ABC. And then at the end, I was like, Silas, you're getting your third degree. What are you doing? Put the phone away. Just, yeah, <laughs> just, just go get it's okay. Yeah, it's a thing of, you know, we like being liked. But it's also okay not to be liked, provided you know what hill you're willing to die on.
2: I really think that a lot of people on social media need to pick and choose the hills that they're going to die on because sometimes some people pick a hill and you're just like this one really and so I think that's but I think the conversation about mental health is really just how do we um, reduce social media the way social media has made it easy for the mob to collect I think that is our problem because cancelling as a whole or like won't really harm people but it's when people just go out of their way to just dogpile on a person and that's right and that's right there now we, we now tech, tech companies twitter snapchat ig all this stuff what are they doing to make it easier make it less easy for people to dogpile on others and i think that would help people's mental health yeah, because um, there's, there's the no country. way, I, I
1: don't think we can stop mob mentality because it's, a, it's, it's a, if you've been alive, you have been exposed to some kind of mob mentality. No one wants to be solo, everyone wants to be a part of a thing that, that moves. But maybe that two prongs, the idea of people in charge of social media spaces, Twitter whatever, putting in policies that sort of discourage more um, mentality i don't know how that could, what that could look like to be quite honest i'm shooting in the blind here and then the other end of the spectrum which is I, I guess more work is locating who you are before you join social media or mm-hmm. as at least continuing to learn who you are before you you engage in social media because you you cannot attach your value to what a bunch of people who you don't know are saying
3: about you yeah, yeah
1: but that work is difficult work because it requires you first to reflect. it's a privileged space because it requires things like therapy it requires things like you know what i mean so the 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 aspects of it whereas i'm learning harmful things that have built the foundation of who you are as as a person right now it's painful work it's not work everyone has the time for it's I get why a lot of people are, are, are not doing that kind of work, but that might be our only way. Maybe taking the power out of the, the, the sweetness of being a part of a mob or attacking someone as a part of a mob. Because it's juicy. It's nice when you're like, oh, you're all cackling and laughing. Oh, this one is a- bad. Yesterday when you were dragging Nonini, it gave me all my life. But then I was able to be like, this is a heel I want to stand on. You're a sexist and now you're coming for women. So for me, it was like, I'm ready. Let's come for him. Yeah. But it, it I also have a responsibility with the things that I'm tweeting. In as much as I you know, I want to have the sharpest edge, I can't come for him for his body weight because that makes me a person who, you know, has another ism that I'm falling into. So you have to have some kind of responsibility even as you're engaging with people and cancelling people. Yeah. Because words mean things. Words mean things.
3: So I just want each of you to like you know, have like your parting shot or how you think we can do better in this call out culture and how we can just use accountability with more care or with more vigor for where it's needed. So just like a parting shot before we
2: leave. One thing to take from this is that as you criticize council culture, you also have to take you have to take into consideration who are often the ones who are criticizing cancel culture because far often than not, it's people who are traditionally within power, people who traditionally have privilege that are now so uncomfortable with the possibility of this canceling that now they're going back. They're now using terms like tone policing, intolerant, left-wing in order to stop people from actually engaging in accountability and I want people to, as they go through cancel culture and we build new systems and build new structures to take that time to check who is has such a big issue with cancel culture and whether, and that could indicate um, future discussions.
1: It's difficult for me to kind of, again, find uh, a very poignant parting shot just because okay. it's a thing that again it's growing we're, we're evolving with it we're learning what it does what impact it has i remember there's a point where we thought that cancel if someone is canceled then they'd immediately lose their job and whatnot and then that wasn't the case and then suddenly you got super serious and so, like so it's, it's shifting and it's changing and i just i'd like to encourage people to apply empathy and grace when interacting with them but at the same time Check people. I am down for that. I am down for people being checked. So it's like check and then wait, but apply an empathetic lens to it. Yeah.
0: I want to show you places that I won't let nobody else see. I'll- Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. I believe the conversations on cancel culture don't end. And so please join me next week on another conversation on cancel culture in toxic queer spaces and the effect it has on sex work. It'll be worth it. Trust me. And don't forget to tune into The Spread on your preferred podcast app and follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are at the spread across the board till next time bye cuz i want your love will you give me love make my dream a reality